0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Living a Legacy. I'm excited to welcome the program. Eric Couch. Eric, how are you? And we have a fantastic guest today. Go ahead and introduce him.
1: Absolutely, Neil. Today, you know, we have comedian, actor. He's the voice of a million movies, it seems like, and recognized as one of the top 25 Hispanics in America by Time Magazine, Mr. George Lopez. George, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Nice to be here.
0: Well, we appreciate yeah. it for sure, George. Go ahead, Eric. We're ready to Absolutely. roll. Absolutely.
1: So, George, you you've been the voice of so many things. Of course, you had your your own sitcom for for the longest that everybody knows because it's your name, right? Uh, George Lopez, and then and then you've been in. <laughs> I've got kids, right? So Rio, Rio Two, uh, Smurfs, and Spy Next Door, and just you know the, the voiceover. So everybody, my kids, my you know, my, everybody, my parents are, we all know your voice. Uh, so it's exciting yeah. to, to hear, right? Cause I was like, wait, I know that voice. Um, but you know, well, it's tell us
2: to hear if, if, if it's not, it's exciting to hear if it's not your voice. <laughs> I wish I could, I wish I could, you know, almost like a Batman suit, put it away and then only bring it out when I need it. But I get, I get, I get tired of it. Uh, I don't really talk to the dogs anymore because the less I hear the voice, the better off I think I am mentally.
0: Really, George? I love your voice. I mean, from I'm a huge fan of the George Lopez show. And it was just like one of, I just enjoyed always watching it. And I just loved your the yeah. ability of your comedy and all that. And I think your voice is so synonymous. But growing up, you didn't like it, even when you were a comedian?
2: Well, you know, it, 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 it's interesting. I remember with that rapper Tone Loc when he was a kid, his mom... I think he had a sore throat, and she might have like warmed honey up, or it's something that you're not supposed to do. And he was like, "Oh," and he got a gravelly voice as a child. Right. Like in the late in the late '90s, I was doing a lot of clubs, and you know, singers know how to protect their voice; they warm up. Comedians really don't, and you know, then it was more of a of a screaming kind of yelling type thing night after night, and then I I kind of wore it down and had to take uh like almost a month off and when i was able to speak again it it, it became this voice it was it was, more, it was kind of higher before and then it became this voice and then when i started to do the voiceovers they all kind of fit within the register of the voice and when i would when i would be like grouchy smurf you know and i would do something and they would say <laughs> do you need some water and i would say no have this voice out like this, <laughs> You guys are giving me water. You're going to ruin, you're going to, I
1: got it warmed up now. Right, right. You know, but that's, the, you know, and I don't know, so I'm a, I was a vocalist, you know, got to go to college, you know, because they said, if you sing, it's free. And I'm like, well, I'm broke, so free is for me, right? Um, You know, so it's like, okay, did you get, you know, I hear that, and I'm like, well, did George, did you get nodes? I mean, does that, is that uh, what the doctor said, or? Yeah, I had a little bit pressure.
2: of uh, And, and yeah. you know, I, I went to one of the – it was funny when you when you go to – like the first guy I went to was on um, Wilshire in a little place. And then I recently went to one because I thought I had swallowed something um, that was in a in a glass. And uh, uh, the doctor, you know, he put the nasal spray in my nose and he puts the camera in there. And he puts it in there and he goes, when did you break your nose? And I was like, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know I broke my nose. Yeah, so I did. He goes, yeah, yeah. You broke your nose. Looks like a couple of times. I'm like, oh my god. And then I, you know, I said I had breathing. And then he takes a, a breathe right. And this is like the guy everybody goes to. You takes a breathe right, puts alcohol <laughs> on my nose. He says, put this on, and immediately I breathe better. And I said, who invented this? And he's like, a genius.
1: Yeah. Oh man.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's so he- simple, man. It's just
1: a band that opens your nose up. It's so brilliant. Well, you know, it, it's it's interesting, uh, you know, you, you say that because you're like, okay, this this event changed your voice, but everybody on the planet recognizes your voice, and it stands out. Um, and, of course, yeah. the, the comedic deal. Now, the, the broken nose may be, you know, as a comedian, right, we're, we're, we're funny <laughs> in order to to keep from getting smacked by the bigger dudes. So maybe there was two or three times yeah. where, um, you I know. Think was, uh, I
2: think it was the old, remember in elementary school, when they'd go, think fast.
1: And it's <laughs> yeah, <ball laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was the, I think it was the old thing, fast. Yeah, um, and as, far as voice. I, I, you know, I got nothing for you other than you know, people. People were like, "Oh wow, so do you do you sing to your wife every day?" And I'm like, "No, oh, she doesn't want to hear me sing." Um, you know, well, you it's know, like whoever who I, the masseuse. I, I do you massage you you know, your <laughs> person every? No. You know. Yeah, yeah, no.
2: I, I love music, and I, I love to sing, but I don't think, I think when I, when I, I've done a a couple of it in public and it's, it's embarrassingly, embarrassingly funny. So for humor, (laughs) it, it, it accomplishes what I set out to do.
0: And that's, that's right. That's that's the funny part, George, is, you know, and I I've done so many interviews I've done over 7000 interviews, George. And since I started doing radio and podcasting and TV 11 years ago and I hate to listen to myself, I won't listen to myself. I'm like yeah. I can't I can't go back and listen to all the interviews and I'm sure the same thing with you and shows You can't go. You don't want to go back and watch all that. Do you, George?
2: No, you know, I, I, I do something that I think very few comedians do um um, from the beginning, from early on, when I I think from the show, and I went from like clubs for a minute to theaters to bigger places. I've been transcribing maybe ninety percent of the shows, and I have I have them all filed away and, and on record. So that's been that's been a great uh, tool for me to be able to work solitary because I kind of work alone, and mm-hmm. during the day to be able to. Look back on shows by year, by month. I mean, it's been a great, great device and a, a great system that I set up. Yeah. So, how do you prepare for a show? Uh, well, for for specials and stuff like that, I mean, um, we I would go on a bus uh, through. I think we we've started in Cleveland, went through Ohio, went through. You know, Pennsylvania, up to New York, to Buffalo, fly back to a place and meet the bus back again um, in maybe Chicago and stuff like that. So so the, the, the repetition of, you know, fortunately, you know, I think doing two shows a night is is tough on, on somebody, anybody. Uh, yeah. But in order to kind of adequately get prepared, uh, you have to do two a night. And then as you work during the day, as the days get shorter, Try to look at the notes and try to assemble what would be the last thing I did, which was my Netflix special, which came out uh, at the end of June last year.
1: Yeah,
0: the road. You know, so what I'm what
1: I'm hearing is what we hear from a lot of people. You don't you don't just walk on stage and you're automatically funny. I mean, you're either funny or you're not. But but there's a lot of preparation. And as you said, you know, you're you're going. Oh. You yeah, you're working the on it. The beauty, anything, the beauty of anybody who's a
2: classical guitarist, who's a golfer, who's a singer, who's a, a teacher, you know, all the teachers that you connect with never really look at notes. They just seem like they're talking to you. And you're like, wow, man, I'm really interested in what they have to say. But if they're looking down at notes, it gives away the illusion that, that they know what they're talking about. So mm-hmm. uh, the, the better prepared that someone is, or, you know, they all have like kind of an identity you know if they want to be the 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 fun teacher but then when they leave work they're kind of quiet you know it's all a sense of kind of performing everything is when you meet somebody and you're dating or if you meet somebody and you're you're on a podcast or whatever form of communication we have today we are uh constant I remember I had a button that said life is a constant audition and it, it it really is
0: It truly is. And it's all about that whole preposition, but you brought preparation to golf. Let's talk about your new film. And again, yeah, yeah, let's get, let's get right to that. Yeah. Good. So, you know,
2: walking with her, it was a, was a book and, you know, they sent me the script and, you know, I've known Edward almost for over 30 years and, and Mm I, that's funny. I talked to the producers on Monday and I said, Eddie I texted him I said hey man you know anything about this script and he's like who's this I said it's, it's George and he's like uh, no I don't I said well you, wow you don't because they told me that you did and uh, uh, he said I'll, I'll find out though and then when uh, he found out he liked it and then we, we talked about it. I don't think I would have done it if it wasn't if he wasn't in it And I don't think he would have done it if I wasn't in it
0: wow that's that's powerful is that based on your relationship? How did how did that relationship start?
2: Um, you know, he, you know, in '88 he had just done, you know, uh, stand and deliver. Yeah. and I was just starting out, and I saw him at uh, I saw him at um, uh, a, a luncheon, and I performed at the luncheon, and then he he was nice enough to ask me to you know come to his house for lunch. And I went to his house for lunch. He asked me what I aspired to do, and And gradually after that, you know, I started to have some success and I would always see him and, uh, you know, he was always kind of like a mentor. And then when I started to do more TV and stuff that he did, he did the last couple episodes of my sitcom and then he was on the talk shows and stuff. And, you know, this it's just, you know, it's funny that something like this movie that's faith-based really started in 88 because if he had not reached out to me, I'm not sure that we would have had the relationship that we had, which was, you know, essential to both of us agreeing to do this movie. Right.
1: Well, one of the, you know, I watched the the preview and, and I see you're a, a motorcycling. Um, uh, I, I couldn't tell if it's, if it's angel or what, you drive right up in the middle of him getting a golf ball, um, in the, in the Aww. preview, um, so, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm that was, I'm a, that was an Indian. To...
2: I think that motorcycle weighed 1100 pounds.
1: Oh, uh, it's a beautiful it motorcycle. Happy. Oh,
2: when they I remember when they would tell me, Have you ever moved the refrigerator? And I was like, uh, <laughs> well, I had one fall on me. And uh, they're like, Yeah, yeah, you have to keep the center balanced. You know, It's so funny how balance works. Like, you know, that, that motorcycle mm-hmm. felt like it weighed nothing until it got a little over to the right or a little over to the left. Right. No so way. You're keeping that thing upright, and I I, I, I dropped it a couple of times.
0: Now, now, so now, so George, tell us the premise really quickly of the film.
2: Well, you know, everything you know, this movie is, is what I, I think would be considered, you know, faith based. Um, uh, mm-hmm. but I think all movies are essentially, you know, that anything that wants to make you feel good is based in faith. So, um, uh, Edward James almost plays a banker who is lost a couple of people in his family he's really kind of lost his faith in God and lost his faith in humanity and, and, and in life. And, um, I see it, you know, as a, as a, as a messenger, nobody really knows I'm a messenger yet. And then as, as I see things, I, I say, Hey, you know, I've been sent here to get you to play golf and enjoy yourself. And all you have to do is trust and believe that you can be better and things will be better. And um, he doesn't believe me. His wife is like, oh, yeah, yeah. you, You know, I get him to play good enough to enter this golf tournament, and she's like, there's no way. And then as he starts to get a smile back and get his emotions back and get his life back together, you see that it really isn't about golf. It's just about accomplishing something that you thought you couldn't do or thought that something that left you. And as you start to do that and you started to uh, gain his confidence, everything in his life changed. So it's not golf. It could be painting. It could be gardening. It could be whatever anybody is into that you start to see something beautiful
1: happen. It's going to restore, it's going to restore your faith. Yeah. You know, one thing that, that, uh, you know, I say regularly is, is, you know because we get we get caught up right and that's what i think this movie is is getting into is yeah. you know this this who am i and my identity and, yeah. and we get lost in ourselves um and i got hit a while back you know fear of failure is fear of living um and that just hit me cuz cuz we 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 get so caught up in the fear of failure that we stop living um but when we start mm-hmm. believing in ourselves again it's amazing what we can accomplish um which is which exactly. is faith based, which is which is life-based, which is what this movie yeah. is. Um and I I loved one of the lines uh at the very end of the at the very end of the um of of the trailer it, uh it's something to the effect of I've never seen two sober people, sober people have so much fun at golf. And I was like, <laughs> yes, Okay, that's I'm looking forward so to this.
0: That's uh, so great. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I yeah.
1: know you guys have fun yeah, in the I'm movie. Really. We're looking forward to seeing it.
0: You know, and Eric, go yeah, v- I, go ahead. Go ahead, George, sorry. No, no, go ahead, Eric. No, Eric. I, I so yeah. So let's, Jared. Let's uh, ask George what, the quick legacy question when we gotta let him go. So go ahead with the question.
1: Absolutely. So George, one of the things that we talk about in our show is it's called living a legacy for a reason, right? And and we talk to a lot of celebrities. It's considered celebrities like yourself and amazing people how they use their influence to impact the world around them, right? And and you brought laughter um, and and a lot of hard days for people. They could watch. They could watch you and laugh, and just get some get some hope and some levity, and 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 it it really does make an impact. So uh, that's why we wanted to have you here, is because you, you do live a legacy and and the, the laughter and joy that you bring to people. Uh, so with that, um, the other question we like to – Go ahead. Yeah. No, you know, I, I was friend, I, I've been friends with
2: a lot of military guys, and one of the guys was next was listening to my comedy. He had all of it on an iPod. And uh, yeah. he got uh, blown up um, by an IU- IED yeah. and the truck exploded and the guys, you know, went flying. They were hurt. And he was laying there and he heard my voice in his ear, in his earbuds. And he's like, I'm alive. <laughs> you know? wow. and then he, goes, he goes, I didn't know where I was, but I knew that I was hearing your voice. And when I heard your voice, I was happy because I knew I was alive. Yeah. Wow.
0: So that's the power yeah, of anything it. anything
2: like that, when you're writing jokes or you're traveling right. on a bus or or in the middle of the night, you get back to the hotel and you're just exhausted, those are the things that you may not all – I don't get a lot of those messages, but the ones that are important, I think, find me.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, so how do you want to be remembered?
2: Well, I'm, I mean, you know, unfortunately, you know, in a, in a society where there's so much driven negativity towards people – um I, I would just like to be remembered For helping other people When it, when I started I was very selfish And I'm not anymore And I, I think my journey was to Understand what it was like To have nothing And then when you have something In order to be considered fulfilled You have to give some of that Away to people you don't know
0: Awesome we appreciate you coming on uh, I know you got to jump uh, Appreciate it again uh, April 30th It's in theaters nationwide, April 30th, Walking with her. Thanks, George Lopez. Appreciate appreciate it, man. Take care. Thanks. Appreciate it. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. That was Living a Legacy, guys. Take care.
3: We're back to the Neil Haley Show, and we always look at ourselves in the mirror when we wake up each day. If we have things that we're wondering, why aren't we accomplishing them? What is happening? Everything's going not my way. Oh, everything coming at me is hitting me. Well, my guest today is going to tell us it is you and you have to figure it out. And so I'm excited welcome to the program, Kim Ellett. Kim, thanks for stopping by. And I know the topic you have is different, but I was wording it in a way to mean how it speaks to me in so many ways that, you know, what's stopping you is you, right?
4: That's exactly right. You know, it's so easy to blame all the circumstances that are going on around us or all the, things that we feel like get in our way. But really, if we take a look at the idea that nothing stops you but you, and then how can you get out of your own way? So I work with business clients and uh, leaders, professionals, and we have some steps that help us with that because it's such a prevalent problem right now. And it's
3: why. it's So we blame, oh, it's the economy. We blame COVID. We blame, oh, it's my employees. We blame, oh, it's my home life. Oh, it's I don't have enough hours in the day. Instead of looking at you, how do we find out it's you? Because that's a humble thing to really say and admit you're wrong. I was wrong. I didn't do what I need to do and take ownership of it.
4: Right. We have to take ownership of it. And then we need to look at the fact that however our life is going, that nothing stops you but you. What you say about something, what you think about something, and then what you do, what your actions are. That's what stops you or or what propels you forward by taking control of what you say, think, and do. You know, we can get all caught up with our checklist and our, you know, our plans, and here's what's going to happen. And then when things go awry, when we have unexpected circumstances come up, then we can really get stuck with that. So I really, I have a five-step process to help Clients help people get stuck, get unstuck when we have all these outside circumstances that feel like they're derailing us.
3: Wow. Okay. So tell us about
4: this. Well, the first one is to define the problem. You've got to really sit back and figure out what exactly is the issue. What are you, what's keeping you up at night? What is that, you know, losing sleep over issue that's, that's keeping you up at night? What's not working in your life, in your business, in your world. So really define that clearly um, and the next one is to paint the picture, you know, design the outcome that you would prefer design your desire outcome, what would it look like if you solve the problem.
3: Me- right? Without- what would, What looking- do you really
4: want? But then why? Why do you want it? You know, don't just say I want to win the lottery. If what you really want is to be able to travel and have money to travel, don't get bogged down by the lottery. So get really clear on painting the picture why you want it. The third, third one is get going, get into action, figure out what are the obstacles? Why aren't you living that life already? What's keeping you stuck? What are the things that that are um, you know, again, the thinking, saying, doing, what are, what are the obstacles that are keeping you from living that life you've already designed in your desired outcome? The fourth one is don't go it alone. You know, assemble a committee or ask for help. Bring in a coach, bring in um, a physician, depending on whatever it is that your issue is, you've got to ask for help and receive it. That's sometimes the hardest part of it all is to allow for that help. And the the fifth one is to look for the gifts. You know, even in the most difficult situations, there are always gifts if we'll take the time to look for them, you know, so begin with the gratitude for the small things, you know, maybe you've got a flooded basement, but you still have the, the first and second floor are usable in your house, right? Or maybe your business took a hit last last um, winter with all the shutdowns and everything, but you still have a loyal customer base. So looking for the gifts is the fifth one to really help you get unstuck.
3: I love it. And the fact is that you're going through these steps and it's really thinking positive throughout this process, thinking that nothing's going to stop you, but identifying first it's you.
4: Exactly. Exactly. Because you can't get into action if you're sitting back blaming
3: we're creating the life we want to choose, right? It's the big thing. Absolutely. If we create and say, Hey, this week, I'm not going to get any sales. I'm not going to get any sales this week. I'm going to have so many fires to put out. There'll be fires to put out. If we say the result we want at the end and have a plan of action to do it and know that we're the problem. And sometimes it's half of it, but you having a coach, to talk to a mentor somebody to work with is huge in
4: that process right it is huge in that process and you're absolutely right we create our reality by what we think say and do I um, wish I, like I would do
3: this year before I didn't I just figured this out now which people I would have known these things years before I wouldn't be going through all this toil and strife that I had to go through and challenges and journey to get to where I am today and where I want to be tomorrow
4: yeah. But that's how you learned it, right? One of the things that Mike Dooley says is thoughts become things. So choose the good ones.
3: All right. All right. Where can people contact you? Say, you know, I need to help right now. I need somebody to tell me I am the problem and how I can come up with solutions to that problem to be a success and quit just saying it's somebody else and blaming others or blaming circumstance versus it's you. Where can we go?
4: Please call, uh, contact me on LinkedIn, Kim Ellit, K I M E L L E T, or old fashioned call or text 404 312 3207. Love to help.
3: All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on and definitely every one of those steps. Hopefully, it was a masterclass in ways. Write down those steps. I'm sure they're available at your website as well, that you can see those steps and follow them through, but find a coach. So that your accountability partner to say, are you really following them? Or are you just saying? You're-? So I appreciate you coming by. Thank
4: you so much.
3: All right. You're welcome. Bye-bye. You're listening and watching the Neil Haley show. And we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley show. And I always get excited about topics. And my guest is an inclusion visionary. And I could think of inclusion in so many different ways. I think of inclusive environments when you talk about special education and the process of kids and how they're in the least restrictive environment. That's where I hear the word inclusion, but I've never heard of an inclusion visionary. So I'm excited to welcome to the Julia Geisman. Julia, thanks for stopping by. And you can kind of explain to me, what does that mean?
5: Well, Neil, thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here So I've been thinking about what is it that would separate me from everybody else in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. And the fact of the matter is that I have been for eight to 10 years talking about being able to measure inclusion. And it comes from a place of believing that inclusion is the DNI of organizations. As well as society, it permeates everything. It's about a mindset. So when I talk about being a visionary, uh, an inclusion visionary, what I'm really talking about is, I was ahead of the pack here. You know that people would talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, but all the metrics were around headcount or salary, salary audits. Okay. And, and they would also talk about inclusion within the context of employee engagement surveys. Okay. But they never went deep and understood, and they still don't understand, that inclusion is in the eye of the beholder. Yes. It's based upon employee perception of the environment, as opposed to an individual experience. It's the perception of the whole. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with yeah. me?
3: Yeah. No. It's the perception of the whole. So, kind of de- take me deeper into this process. Are you? Who do you work with as an inclusion visionary?
5: Okay. So we work. Thanks to the question. That's a great question. We work specifically with corporations in taking a look at their culture, their workplace uh, systems their policies, their procedures, and we used an online assessment in order to get data, specific objectionable data in all levels of the organization, including the executive suite. So we're able to be able to compare apples to apples vis-a-vis the culture, the overall work environment to support people's success in doing the job that they have to do in advancement opportunities, and development opportunities. But the other thing that we find or we, we investigate is the personal beliefs that individuals have yes. regarding the importance of inclusive work environment and then the reality of the work environment in which they happen to be living. So, so what's
3: the mistake that many companies do when it comes to inclusion? Not They
5: don't, me- they don't measure it in a meaningful way. They don't have quantifiable data. They think that, oh, the engagement survey is enough, but it's not. I'm here to tell you it is not enough because it's not a deep enough dive. An engagement survey is around what, you know, of the entire organization. So when we look at inclusion, from the eye through the eyes of, of the employee, we look to see if everybody is what everybody is seeing. Okay. In other words, what are the executives seeing? Exactly. What are the people in the season?
3: Yeah. And so that is so really they just say, I checked the box, but I really didn't do anything. And well then, and uh, you, yeah. you you went and interviewed that person, but you never hired them. You went. So, and, yeah. You, you gave them an opportunity, but yet you didn't provide the environment that they could thrive in. And
5: exactly.
3: Stay with the company. They saw exactly. that it was not, there was not the diversity or, that was out there. There was not that environment. So they looked to leave to go find one where somewhere where you work with. So what kind of organizations have you worked with so far in doing this? Like-
5: well, let me go back to what you just said about diversity. People, when I talk about headcounts, It's about the number of people that look diverse or think in a diverse manner or who are physically diverse, but it's not about retaining them. Inclusion is about the success of an organization to attract and retain talent. Yes. Just because you have somebody that looks different from you, it does not mean that they're going to stay.
3: They're not going to stay. So that's that's where you look at the numbers and, uh, and the numbers not in the head count, the numbers in, in against In yeah. perception.
5: So that organizations have data that they can map out a strategy that is effective and efficient. And they have a baseline now against which to monitor progress.
3: Without naming companies, what size companies have you worked with?
5: It, uh, it really depends. I, we started off with working with larger organizations between 1,000 and 5,000. But in thinking about it, inclusion is such a critical topic that every company, regardless of their size, really needs to have a beat, a pulse on where they stand vis-a-vis inclusion.
3: And is it more you know, difficult? Even how-
5: startups. Interestingly enough, Neil, startups. They start, off, I mean, all they're focused on is making money, 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 money without really tending to the culture that they're building.
3: Uh, it's important that employee culture that you have, that your team is, your organization really has a mis- message and mission and why you're doing what you're doing and providing an, a safe environment. Do you think with COVID and how so many people are virtual, it's even more of a challenge to get this environment going? Oh,
5: it, it's incredibly w- more challenging because. You know, when you're face-to-face, for example, culture of an organization is one of those squishy things. You know, it's not that you can talk about it in words, but it's, there's oftentimes a disconnect between what companies say and what they live. Mm-hmm. And culture is communicated through the way we interact with people, for example. The way we, the way we conduct meetings. So, for example, an organization may say, oh, yeah, we have an inclusive work environment. But if you take a look at the meetings, you start finding out that people are not fully engaged in conversation. Exactly. Not, not everybody is making a contribution, And the leader of the meeting isn't cognizant, isn't aware no. of, in order to bring that person in.
3: They're just a number and they're not developing camaraderie and they're not providing. And when right. you talk about inclusion, you're talking inclusion in so many different aspects to really Dumb provide it. a diverse workforce. And we're not getting there. And the reason is we were just looking to check the box and that's it, instead of really provide a culture and a new. Uh, an improved work environment. So where's the best place people can connect with you, especially if they're interested in looking at this, especially you're, that you're in checklists and all these different things so that they can look at the data and see if ways they can grow in a more of an inclusive environment in their workforce. Where can they go?
5: The website is career-agility.com. Again, it's career-agility.com. And they can shoot me an email at julia.com. Geisman, G-E-I-S-M-A-N at career-agility.com. I'll be glad to have a quick conversation with them to find out what they're doing, what their pain points are, what they feel that they're missing in their diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy.
3: Thank you again, Julia. Really thought this is a very great topic and you're trying to address it in a different manner than many other people are doing. So if you're a company, small, or large contact Julia today, because again, a great keeping your workers happy and productive and providing the best inclusive environment for them is so important. And many people are struggling and that's why they're quitting their day jobs and going on to be entrepreneurs. So if you're having trouble keeping that workforce going and growing your company and finding the right workers to work for you, you got to provide a great work environment. And Julia is the person to contact. So I appreciate you coming by. Thank you,
5: Neil, for your time. I appreciate being with
3: you. Take care. All right. See ya. Thanks. Bye. You're listening to Neil Haley show and watching the Neil Haley show. We'll be back in moment. We're back to the Neil Haley show. And when we talk about building personal wealth, my guest is going to help us guide us through that. So I'm excited to welcome the program, Joe Osterhout. Joe, thanks for stopping by. And this, it's important to build wealth, right? You can't just sit there and just constantly be living the paycheck to paycheck and not growing financially, right? It's an important thing to really think about this, right? You
6: know, yeah. Thank you so much for having me on today. It's a real pleasure to be here. And you, you actually touched on a very important point. A lot of people think that they're going to be able to use their normal salary to build wealth. But what we usually find is that our salary sort of pays our day-to-day and, and you know, other slightly longer-term expenses, but it often doesn't leave enough left over to actually start uh, to, to accumulate um large wealth right away. And so for that, you actually need to take what's left over in your salary and start investing. Start
3: investing. And the investing has changed uh, dramatically in a way, but it probably hasn't in your career looking at things. But Joe, just because of the, 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 the different ways of investing your money, uh, it's, it's, or you've, you've been there, done that, and have seen this cyclical thing in your career of doing this?
6: Yeah, and it's not even so much, um, Neil. It's not really, it's almost in a way not what you invest in. Of course it is what you invest in, but the important thing that people don't do is people don't make investing a regular habit. You need to have a plan where you will invest money each month or every couple months on a regular basis. You need to basically automate it, right? So it's easy. And you... There are three basic things to building wealth. You spend less than you earn. That's really key. You invest regularly, often, consistently. And then you don't, you don't touch that money and you keep following that plan. There's plenty of stories, that, you know, when we've all seen them of secretaries who retire with $5 million or janitors who have $8 million. I mean, these come up consistently enough that we know it's possible for people that are even not on, you know, super remunerative salaries to do very well in life.
3: So what steps should people think about right now, especially when we're, you know, adult COVID different things like that, we're living the paycheck to paycheck. How do we save enough money to keep investing each and every month when we see the markets and how crazy they are. And now these are other ways of trying to get rich quick types of markets. It's really having an expert like you to kind of guide them through that, right?
6: Well, you always will hear the stories of the get rich quick, right? Because that's very attractive and it sells and we all wish we could do that. But the consistent stories that come out over time are the people who put some money away. And it doesn't have to be thousands of dollars a month. It can be $100 a month. But you're doing that over time and you're not investing it in something that, is costing you a lot. So you're not investing it in something with really high fees. You're putting it in something like an index fund, which is a very cheap investment. It's an inexpensive investment and it mirrors the overall market. So you're not picking on one company, this or that company that may do well or may not do well. And we all get really excited about picking companies and we all think we're really good at it. But the facts are, is that even the pros, the guys who spend, you know, 24-7 looking at this stuff, very, very few of them ever actually do better than the market. So those of us who are not the pros and spending all our time and resources on trying to pick those stocks will do better just to have an overall market approach, which is what you get with an index fund.
3: And with an index fund, literally, what can you accumulate if you're investing it's really you can definitely plan for that retirement if you talked about those stories of ordinary people saving money and having wealth after they're retired
6: yeah well that's the thing it the, the key to that is time right to put that 50 100 whatever it is dollars away on a consistent basis not once a year but you know monthly Everyone. Well, I, monthly would be ideal right and you just keep adding it to the same investment and you let that investment sit over time the market has done depending on exactly what you look at around 6% on average the us stock market 6% on average over time and of course it varies a lot like we saw in march when covid hit right the market just the bottom dropped out of the market and clients of mine you know their portfolios went down 40 50% And some of them panicked and sold, you know, they say had $2 million in their account and now they have 1.2 and they're getting close to retirement. So in general, that's why you want to just leave your money in, keep adding to it. And over time, it goes up. It doesn't It doesn't mean it always is going to, and prognostication is not necessarily a good business to get into in the stock market. But over time, that has been the history of the US stock market, that you will build wealth by investing consistently on the market as a whole.
3: So you just put it in the budget, make sure it automatically comes out every month, and then you go, and then you're going to see the growth. You know, all
6: the, and I'm, I'm not affiliated with any brokerage house or platform or company, but if you choose an inexpensive index fund and any of the the larger, any company will allow you to invest uh, um, on an automated basis where you link it right to your checking account and your money will just go in very much like, you know, you're probably doing already, maybe with your 401k, you're certainly doing that with a lot of your subscription um, expenses, right? The things we automatically all pay for Netflix, um, you know, maybe some subscription like Birchbox or something like that. We all have a lot of media and other things that we're paying for on a consistent basis.
3: All right best place we can find information on you some great points just to remember because we're all looking at get rich quick schemes we're talking about investing our financials in, yeah. you know, in, the, do in the real estate industry okay. or crypto or different things but you know basic just stick to this index type of fund every month and you'll see where your your, your wealth will go is because you said average is six percent and it goes up and down, and that's part of the market. But where can we find info on you, Joe? Where can we go?
6: So the best place is to go to my website. It's acumen8, A-C-U-M-E-N, the number eight, dot co.
3: All right. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. Thank you
6: so much for having me on today.
3: Take care. Thanks. Okay. Bye. You. Bye. You're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment. We're back to The Neil Haley Show. I have a problem, so I'm going to try to fix others. Well, my guest says that's not the right thing to do, so I'm excited to welcome the program. Helena DeYoung, how are you, Helena, and thanks for coming by.
7: Yes, hi, I'm fine. Thank you for being here.
3: Absolutely. So what is the problem? Why do people always want to fix others and not look at themselves? as really what we got to work on and grow. What is the reason we look at others? We come up with plans for them. We say, hey, I know how to make you better. I know what to do, fixing your loved ones, instead of just really looking at yourself and trying to grow yourself.
7: Yeah, it's so funny. It's, it's so natural for them to help others. And they really think and intentional. They're meaning it very well to help others. But then they get in trouble.
3: You know, right. when you're in business- in yeah.
7: Yes, they're in trouble, oh, and they I'll
3: say, I'll "Oh, I'll help you lose weight. Oh, I'll help you with your business." And they're not a client. Oh, I'll help you do this as a friend, or I'll help you. Do... And why do people look at it like, "Oh my gosh, please don't do that." What is what is the human nature that makes us do that? I mean, the other person that is receiving that extra advice—it's really not the right advice to give, or giving them this extra help they didn't ask for.
7: Yes, they do. And, and why they do that? Because it gives them also something. It gives them meaning. They think they're very meaningful and having a meaningful life and they add something to it. So it's, it's a kind of needing something from them to feel good. And that's also the problem because then they also want to help others and they go over um, their boundaries. They go over their boundaries and then they are in trouble themselves. Mm, so that's, that's why I said Stop fixing others and start living your life because that's not what they are doing. They are living other ones' lives and not their selves.
3: And that's a lot of parents that do this, a lot of uh, different people. And how do we start living our life? What, what, what are some recommendations if we're not going to fix others anymore?
7: Yes. It's, well, it's so it's funny. Um, you know, normally I said, well, it's, it's like when you're, you're parenting and you want to beat your child, child, children, you are very Easy to, you know, you push them and you want to help them around. And you have to really focus on yourself and just let's see what is you, what do you want to be in life? Where do you want to go in life? You have to have some kind of a mission or a goal there that gives meaning to you. So you don't need to get the meaning of someone else.
3: So it's really setting yourself up to live the life you want, you've really dreamed of and want to do.
7: Yes, they do. I want to just go back to the problem you said, why are they doing that? But there are two things, mostly I said, when you're helping others, you unconsciously always said, I'm doing this because I'm doing it better. And it gives me a good feeling. Yes, and it's yes. also, I'm doing it because I can do it better than you. That's a good feeling you get. But you are very independent from your uh, surrounded that, that makes you feel bad or good, depending on how they react. So that's not what you want. You want to have your own life and you want to make your own choices also in the job or as a leader, you want to do that, or as a parent. So you have to have your own mission and goal to where you go to and make your life meaningful from yourself.
3: Awesome. And so, and I just want to know, like, what type of people do you help to help live a meaningful life themselves? Who do you work with?
7: So mostly I'm, uh, I'm working with the uh, leaders in uh, in their businesses, but of course, uh, They get stuck in businesses, but they have it as as private as well. So most of the time, I guide leaders in their business because when they're doing everything for everyone else, their own work will pile up. So they get behind and they get frustrated and they get team issues. So when they get team issues, I come in and I will help them get along and we'll see in also five steps how they can move around from helping others to really fixing themselves first.
3: God, it's, and that's so important because as a business owner and you're working with multiple people, you're, if you're spending your time with your employees or different people that work for your company and always trying to fix them versus fix, fixing yourself, it's not going to, you're not going to grow. You're not going mm-hmm. to feel like you're going to be a success. You're going to, cause you're constantly looking at others and critiquing them instead of really critiquing yourself and growing as an individual. We blame others so much in life. Why do we blame others? What is the reason we blame others? We don't want to take responsibility for what action we just did.
7: Yes, also, you don't want to take responsibility, but also it's, it's easy to blame someone else because then you, you don't have to look at yourself first. And that's, actually, it's really what everyone does because that's how we program as a person as well. We always put out, Looking and blaming others because we are programmed everything that feels in, uncomfortable you will go away from and that's what i teach people it's very funny is it because we want to be survivors so we want to survive so everything was very uncomfortable we go away from it everyone does that it's a very natural it. thing
3: it's true we do those things and uh We have to work on fixing them. So where can we connect with you and learn more about you so that we can learn how you can help us so that instead of we're trying to fix someone else, we can fix ourselves and really live the life we really want.
7: Yes, uh, you can learn uh, about me at misento.nl and I can give you the five steps. You can derevel yourself about it and put your focus on your own life and stop fixing others and start living your life.
3: I appreciate you coming by. Thanks again, Helena. Take care. Thank you. Right. You're listening and watching the Neil Haley show and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley show and I am excited to talk to this guest and, uh, I see that she has her book right, uh, right there. Perfect. So we all can see it if you're watching the Neil Haley show, but if you're listening, we'll find out about her book. So I'm excited. To welcome from Dr. Dr. Moosley, how are you? And I'm excited to talk about your book today and especially Mind-Body Healing. How are you?
8: I'm great. Thank you so much, Neil, for having me on your show. It's so exciting to be
3: here. Absolutely. Let's So let's kind of break it down really quickly and talk about specifically Mind-Body Healing. You know, people hear about that. It basically is the mind one of the most important areas of life so that you can heal, that if your mind is not in a healthy mind leads to not a healthy body, right? If you don't have a healthy mind, you're not going to have a healthy body, right? Right. But I would
8: actually say it's our emotions that are even more important than our mind because our emotions lead to the thoughts that we have. And then that creates our entire reality. And so what I work with a lot of uh, people with who have life altering diagnoses, you know, I used to be the cancer director at University of Pennsylvania. And what I found was that so many of my patients, my chronic pain patients, my cancer patients had unaddressed emotional issues. And ultimately it later led to different diseases.
3: Yes, that's so true because what is the the reasoning for that? So if they had cancer, they're suffering through different things. They're going through these, these situations their mind leads to other disease at times or just the suffering and the 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 stress that went through
8: so what i like to say is the body always keeps score so a lot of times we're in the culture of suppressing our emotions you know we feel something we just stuff it in but what if we actually express those emotions that's the key to healing when we stuff it in it shows up as pain Mm. It shows up as headaches. It shows up as not feeling well. And when we keep ignoring our body over and over again, eventually it'll lead to disease.
3: So the stress we're going through the, the way to not keep our self open to conversation, to really get out our emotions, it, the, who, what's affected your body, which leads to disease and lots of worse problems happening and health issues then. Absolutely. You've, Hit that on the head now. Well, I know that for a fact, because when I was working a day job and running my business full time, it was like it was killing my body. It was killing it to the levels that I was going through a lot of health issues from mm-hmm. hypertension to being to obesity, all those different things. And I made a decision that, no, I'm not going to work that day job anymore, even though I only did for a short period of time, two years while running my business still full time. And I walked away and my health got better. And now more and more, I'm feeling better, but it's because of how I feel inside, how I feel about myself, how I feel about life in general, that keeps my body healthy. So we always miss the point that our mental health is so important to our physical health.
8: And Neil, you actually brought up the exact point that I was going to bring up. When you said how you feel about yourself, that's the key. How we see ourselves in terms of our self love, our self acceptance, our self worth, those are the ultimate determinators for our happiness in life. Because when we can have a healthy self image, self worth, self acceptance, and self compassion, really, that's what it comes down to self compassion and acceptance. That's when we can increase our bottom line and make more money. That's when we can lose weight with more ease. That's when we have relationships that are more fulfilling. It really starts with filling our self love cup first.
3: So, give me a couple of quick tips for people that start to really uh, feel more happy, more healthy in the brain. What steps would you bring to the table?
8: So, if we're going to feel through our emotions, The first thing is to stop suppressing it. Mm -hmm. If you have an emotion, it's okay to take a moment and be mindful with that emotion and just feel it. Mm -hmm. Because what people will find is that if you just sit with that emotion, it'll pass in 30 seconds. It just takes a few moments. But if you can just give yourself the gift of feeling through that emotion, letting it pass, and then dealing with the rest of life, that's the key to dealing to having a better life It's when we keep pushing through and denying that we're even experiencing those emotions that we really become numb to life
3: so we have to can't we have to stay open to really through journaling or speaking with other people to get those emotions out because if we don't we're suppressing them and that's going to hurt our bodies
8: Right. So being mindful by doing self-care practices. So like you said, journaling is one of them, meditation, yoga, but it's really not about the actual practice. And what I like women, what I uh, work with people to do is create a brainstorm, 25 things of things that make you happy in the moment, and then create a schedule where you try to do two to three of those things every day to make sure that you are filling your self-care container every day so that you're telling, because it's not just about filling your own cup. It's really about saying to the world, I'm important and I'm worthy because if we are not worthy of five to 10 minutes in our own day, then how are we going to convince our employer that we're worthy of that raise? How are we going to convince our spouses that we're worthy of feeling, you know, of experiencing more love? How can we convince our bodies that, you know, exercise is important. And it's really in changing our mindset about how we deal with our own self, it's going to reflect and mirror back to us, the life that we want to live.
3: Where can we find information on you and purchase a book? Where's the place, best place we can go?
8: So on my website, unleash And my book is also entitled unleash the healing Within. How to Stop Relying on Things Outside of Yourself to Heal Yourself. And I also, Neil, have a podcast by the same name, Unleash the Healing Within.
3: So So what kind of guests are you looking for for your podcast?
8: So people who have a holistic view about life, about business um, and relationships, Mm. because it's really about helping people be happy, healthy and wealthy.
3: So That's that they can fantastic. live their best life. It's so important. And it's the new industry. We have to be ha- happy in life. Happiness is a huge, big push nowadays. And it's good because if we're not happy, we're not living. So I appreciate you coming by. So thanks again.
8: Awesome.
3: Thank you so okay. much. All right. You're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show. And we'll be back in just a moment.